0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's rumor mill day. And also, as it turns out, the NBA draft happens today. Gee, I wonder if there's any correlation there. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today. Today will be a slightly more brief episode for a couple of reasons. I know a lot of the episodes in the offseason are more like 30 minutes, so I mean even perhaps a a tiny bit more brief than that. Uh, First of all, I don't want to do a team breakdown on draft day. It just almost seems like a waste, because ain't nobody tuning in to hear a team breakdown on draft day anyway. And especially if we run into a team that ends up with something happening on draft day, which I guess we're pretty far into this now. We're at the best teams in the league. Most of them don't have impact picks coming up but whatever you guys catch my meaning it just seems like kind of a waste of a team breakdown show on a day where folks just i don't think anybody really wants to hear it so instead we had an actual trade that went down yesterday very shortly after we released the podcast with david williams hope you guys enjoyed those last two first two shows i've ever done on the nba draft and i think it's our fifth or sixth off season now of fantasy nba today And those are the first tool. You know, it's good. You get out of your comfort zone a little bit. I did. And I was fully comfortable feeling like a dummy. Although I do think that by day two yesterday, I was marginally less of a dummy. Wouldn't you guys agree? That's right. Stroke the ego. Stroke the ego. I am Dan Baspris, by the way. Thanks, as always, everybody, for tuning in again. Every day, I feel just this this swell of pride that the numbers in the off season this year have, have been fantastic um draft was in july last year and we're already about 25% ahead of the entire month of july last year and we still have a full week of june left it's just nuts what did i say the final number was on on uh This uh, May versus last June, it was like a 30-something percent increase. I think we'll probably go higher than that in this June versus last July. So you guys are still hanging with us, and I love you for it. At Dan Basper, if you want to follow me on Twitter, likely you already do, because they're guessing not a ton of new listeners in the offseason, but you never know. Ethos Fantasy BK is the Twitter handle for the Sports Ethos Basketball Fantasy Feed sportsethos.com, the website. And, of course, got to do it every day. Please do check out our baseball and our football coverage. It's coming along swimmingly. JP now up and over 300 in his Twitter numbers. Joe Orico, 1,037. Pretty damn cool. This guy's been busting it, man. Busting it. Joe does a daily show right now for baseball, Monday through Friday, just like this one. I've been letting him help me through stuff. I get a little, you know, info on the side. But, I mean, it's quite useful. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, what are we going to do instead is the, uh, the thing. Well, I thought we'd talk about the trade that actually went down and what it means. That, of course, Jeremy Grant to the Portland Trailblazers. We'll get back to that in a moment. And then we're, uh, we basically now know, because Woj tweeted this morning, the top three picks in the draft. We know the top three picks in the draft, essentially, and we're hearing other stuff out of the rumor mill that we should probably, at the very least, be kind of, I don't know, semi-ready for. So let's dive into that. We'll see how long it takes. It might be a 15-minute show. It might be 20 minutes. might be 25. I don't really know. But also, before we get into the Jeremy Grant one, because I think that's probably the biggest slash most important Piece of news here on draft day morning that again came yesterday is that we do David mentioned it yesterday have live NBA draft coverage over at our YouTube page, Sports Ethos YouTube page I should say, not the Fantasy NBA Today one which doesn't exist. So uh, that's YouTube.com/slash Sports Ethos if you want to see the uh, all the videos over there, or if you follow Ethos Fantasy BK, we'll be tweeting the link out all throughout the day. That. Live coverage is going to run from 4 to 7.30 Pacific time. So that's 7 to 10.30 Eastern time. Uh, it's a it's a, a terrific lineup. David and William, who you heard on this show, those guys will be on it. We're also going to have Stephen Bagel, host of our Bird Rights pod. He's a front office expert, so he'll understand how all the machinations actually make sense. Uh, in addition, you've got—let me make sure i got all the—Luca Gaynor, who's part of our Celtics coverage team— uh, J.C. DeLeon, who's part of our Lakers coverage team. Corbin Ford, who runs our uh, Round Ball Ramble show. That's on the that's just on NBA as a whole. Uh, Mike Fiddle, who hosts The Advantage. That's a betting show. He's been putting out betting information on the draft for weeks, and he, it appears, is pretty set to cash in in a really big way. And then Brad Harden, my buddy Brad Harden, host of our Hawks podcast as well. So that's a really cool lineup of our uh, NBA draft coverage over at the YouTube page. Again, that starts at 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 Eastern, today, Thursday. First one of those we've had in the history of sports ethos. A lot of cool new stuff going on around here. But let's talk Jeremy Grant, because he was a guy that we had kind of been squatting, not so much on Jeremy Grant, but on his departure from Detroit last year. It seemed inevitable that he'd be on the move is a veteran player playing for a non-veteran team, a team in rebuild mode. And he'd been putting up these really nice top 50, top 60 numbers for a couple seasons in a row out in Detroit. But then maximum shutdown got the best of him twice, big time this last year. Only played 47 regular season games this most recent season. But, again, had a really nice year. 19 points, four boards, two and a half assists, two threes, a steal, a block. Good free throw number, 84%. Pretty good volume out that way. Uh, Didn't shoot the ball well from the field as the primary creator, and that's something we saw tail off when he was no longer playing alongside Nikola Jokic. He was at just 42.5% out in Detroit. His spot with the Blazers is more or less unchallenged and you can say what you want about justice winslow being there and the fact that he did actually play most of the power forward minutes down the stretch before he himself got shut down and then they went to a just a a cavalry of weird names this is grant's job that's his spot blazers went out and got him they spent a the first round pick to do it first round picks as we've seen, are highly coveted and deemed very valuable. And I don't see, like, uh, to me, uh, you know, the assumption here is that Dame is back for this coming season, and bringing in a veteran guy does lend itself to, okay, Portland's going to go for it. I don't think go for it, that's maybe not the right word, but they're not going to go into tank mode the way they did this last year. Yes, they had a lot of veterans on the team, but as soon as Dame was shut down, then they kind of pulled the plug on everything. They saw this as an opportunity to go get a higher pick, even if it was just for the one year, and they did so. But now, the assumption would be Nurk, I think he's a free agent, but let's say they do bring him back. Even if they don't, they'll probably go try to get a big man. I don't... uh, I think it's going to be Drew Eubanks for the entire year. But again, I, uh, uh, the, I guess you don't really need to go much farther than just the Jeremy Grant trade to say, look, they're not going to bring this dude in if the plan wasn't to try to compete this year. There's no point. Keep your first-round pick. Hell, trade more pieces away. This is a not-at-all subtle move by the Blazers to say, okay, we did our... One year tank. Now we're going to try again. And that's great for whatever the th- how the dust settles in Portland. If they end up with Nurk back or if it's some other big man and you've got Dame um, and you've got Anthony Simons. If you want to talk about the backcourt a little bit further, Josh Hart is someone that probably would be retained then as a veteran wing player. They've got some other veterans floating around in the backdrop. Like Joe Ingles might be back mid-season, or he might be a free agent too. I forget what we we talked about on that front. But, you know, it's a lot, this is a lot of information to just say, look, they brought in a veteran, and that's all we need to know about the Dame side as well. That's, okay, we got you a guy, Dame. Now, you know, here's one running mate. We're going to keep working on it. You better be good to go, or we wouldn't have thrown away that first-round pick. Thrown away is probably not the right word, but you know what I mean. Gone and, and cashed it in, used it on something besides a player in the year 2025. All that to say that you know almost no matter what the Blazers do here, Jeremy Grant almost immediately then becomes their second highest usage guy. It's not gonna he's not gonna supplant Damian Lillard. No one will, and no one should. But he can very easily jump over Anthony Simons, who got a lot of his opportunity when Dame was out. He can very easily jump over Yusuf Nurkic, who's going to be doing stuff closer to the bucket, so he's not going to be an intensely high-usage guy, even if he is involved in a number of pick-and-roll stuff. And that's, again, only assuming he comes back. And if the Blazers bring in a different center, there isn't really a center on the market that's a throw-me-the-ball kind of guy anyway. I don't think you have to change your assessment of Jeremy Grant all that much. And I know that one of our key, most important lessons every year we go through this same one is usage is value. I do think that this is a situation where you can make a little bit of a tweak on that. And they happen every once in a blue moon where efficiency can overpower usage sometimes, or at least level it off. Like, typically, if someone goes from a place where they're getting a truckload of shots, and, you know, Jeremy Grant had 17 field goal attempts last season, he had 15 this year with Detroit, when you know Cade coming in and Sadiq Bey getting to do a little bit more, and, and Grant himself kind of, let's be honest, throttling down a little bit, played about two fewer minutes per ballgame, I don't think he's getting less than 15 shots in Portland, but let's say he does drop from 15 to what? What do we think? 14 as like a a basement for him? His time in Oklahoma City and Denver, I don't want to go all the way back to Philly because he was just figuring out the NBA. His Basically, his last year in Oklahoma and his one year in Denver, he shot 50 and 48% those two seasons where... Other people were helping him do stuff. And in OKC, he didn't have that much help, but he had some. Was that the Chris Paul year? That might have been the Chris Paul year. And then in Denver, you know, you got good ball movement. You got Jokic. And he was brilliant in the bubble playoffs that season, too. That's what got him that big contract or medium contract, whatever you want to call it. Then he went out to Detroit, had no help, had to take a whole bunch of ill advised shots. Number of three pointers went way up. He did improve his free throw stroke dramatically. But let's say, again, his usage goes down a tiny bit. You know, going up from 42.5% up to, say, like 45, 46, playing alongside someone else who actually has offensive gravity to their game in Dame, that would actually cover the drop-off. Maybe more so. And he'll have every reason to need to play this season because as the Blazers are currently constructed, they're a play-in level team. Dame Jeremy Grant and others. That's like a that's definitely a seven through eleven type of range team. So they'll be fighting it now. Maybe they get better. Maybe they bring someone else in. I don't know. I'm sure that we've we've heard they're in the market for Zach Levine. I'm sure they're in the market for DeAndre Ayton. Things like that. Yeah, you know that maybe moves them up the board a little bit more. But we've we've already seen the West is. Like with the East, you've got like eight or nine teams that are all pretty good that could all very easily get out of it. In the West, you've got to get real good to get up to that sixth part. Then there's a clump of teams like six through 11, and most of those teams are going to end up in the play-in tournament. Even if you're one of the better ones, you probably still end up in the play-in tournament. So that's good from a handicapping standpoint. Veterans on the Blazers are going to be a pretty reasonable target this year. Uh, and Jeremy Grant, I have no problem with him as one of those targets. I think he plays 30-plus minutes per game, gets his steal, gets his block, gets his, you know, one and a half to two, three-pointers a game, probably scores 18 to 19 points. There's a lot to just kind of be relatively happy with. So I got no problem with Jeremy Grant as kind of a late fifth-round type of guy. If he slips to the sixth, awesome. Uh, I think you see the durability come back for him. He had shown the ability to play in almost every single ball game until he got to a tanking team. And then it was like, meh, we'll miss 18 games, we'll miss 25 games, 30 games, whatever it happens to be. We don't care because what's the point? What are you going to rush? No need. Positively no need at all. So that's the Jeremy Grant deal. Um, That's a, that's a, a real thing. Everything else that we've heard has been mostly hypothetical. However, it's probably worth at least a light exploration. First, Woj tweeted what we had talked about over the last couple of days, which is that Jabari Smith likely to go first to the Orlando Magic, Chet Holmgren likely to go second to the Thunder, and Paolo Banchero likely to go third to the Houston Rockets. The reason I bring that up on today's podcast is that now we know seemingly, and, you know, we can rehash it if anything changes, the, the fantasy impact, the opportunity we've been talking about over the last couple of days, we now know what the fit is likely to be. And, for instance, if you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, like take the Chet Holmgren situation, and and David Williams came on the show yesterday and argued that there's enough there to take a shot at it. And, I, you know, I I do worry about his frame and you know the size of some of these big men, but David brought up the interesting point that they can throw Michael Green on some of the biggest dudes, but a lot of teams don't have what you'd call the a banger center type that can blow Chet off the floor. A lot of teams are going to have kind of a stretch five or someone that, yeah, they'll be bigger than him, but it's not going to be like he's getting pummeled Every single night it'll just be a lot of them moreover, and maybe this is the most important part the thunder don't have their quote unquote center of the future or big man of the future everything they've been doing out there over the last couple of years in the front to middle stages of their tank sesh is lock and shea for the long term as the cornerstone and then Josh giddy you got yourself uh a pass-first point guard. You got Lou Dort, your defense-first three-point shooting wing, and then they picked up a handful of other guys. <laughs> then slightly later in the draft, uh, Aaron Wiggins, more of a wing type. Alexei Pokushevsky, stretch something. I don't know what he is. He's still going to have to gain a whole crap ton of weight. He's more probably small forward, power forward, unless he. Puts on a ton, a ton of weight. That's the only way you could see him sliding up towards center. Ty Jerome, small player. Theo O'Maladone, small player. Those guys have been there for a couple of years now. Darius Baisley, more of a power forward type. So they're just... I mean, Isaiah Roby has been playing center. Derek Favors saw time at center. Jeremiah Robinson Earl saw time at center. But none of these guys are what you'd call the future. For the Thunder. You can tell who the future is. Or what the future is. It's weird grammar on that one. You can tell what they might be. By just looking at who played. Shea averaged 34 and a half minutes per game. When he was on the floor. In his 56 tanky games this year. Lou Dort played 33 minutes a game. In his 51 tanky games this year. Josh Giddy averaged about 32 minutes. In his 54 games. And those are the only players that averaged starters minutes or above all season long. The honorable mention in that department goes to Darius Baisley, who played 28 minutes a game, and that was a number that actually did increase over the course of the year. But even if we say that Baisley is part of the future, the most important note here is that none of the center eligible or guys that you'd say were actually playing the five on this team, none of those dudes were even close to starters minutes. Derek favors when he played, I mean, he's an old man. He'll that, that one, you, you can just throw that one out, but he played 17 minutes a game. Anyway, Isaiah Roby, 21, despite a couple weeks near the end of the year where he was actually getting starters minutes. And then they just pulled the plug on it. Robinson Earl, 22, Mike Mascala off the bench for 14 minutes. This last year, there was no one. So even if Holmgren has issues staying on the floor, You're still talking about someone that, given his overall fantasy stat set, which is high field goal percent, serviceable free throw, extraordinary shot blocking ability, he's a guy that does have some kind of upside in a way that, you know, generally I don't trust the rookies that are going to be asked to do a whole bunch of stuff. With him, the issue is, do we trust him to be around on the floor long enough to do stuff? And the answer to that is, I don't know. But the second half of that answer is, I don't know, but I'm not sure it really matters. If he only plays, say, 22 minutes a game, that might still be enough to get fantasy value. He only played 27 minutes a game in college. 3.7 blocks a night. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously not happening at the NBA level, but get him into the 20s, and he has the profile to be fantasy top 100 or better in like 22-ish minutes per game, and then anything over that, which you would assume maybe goes up over the course of the year, that ends up being gravy, which, now the fear, of course, is that the Thunder are still not going to be a good, good team this year. They haven't turned that corner yet. They might be competitive for stretches, but the risk of a shutdown remains a possibility, they probably don't want to overextend him, and that's the other end of this thing. None of these guys at the top, you know, the shutdown is is a very real possibility in all of them. I mean, top three teams in the draft, I don't know any of the three that you look at and you're like, well, uh, this one's about to make it so. Orlando has some decent pieces. If Jonathan Isaac comes back, I guess they could be okay, Thunder were okay when they were letting Shea play every ball game. So, I don't know. Houston, they were a long way from okay. So, shutdown is a risk in all of them. And that makes it hard, I think, to draft those guys in a head to head league when you don't know. Are they going to turn them loose at the end of the season when they really don't care? Or are they going to shut them down like OKC's done lately? in I-need-to-lose mode. Like, we're just not even going to play our half-decent guys. We're not going to risk accidentally picking up a win. I don't know. We just don't know. We kind of go on precedent, which was, you know, Houston did let their young guy go this last year because they were still losing even with him. So maybe that bodes well for Banchero. Orlando, uh, they had guys that were actually hurt, so kind of hard to say for sure. But OKC very much pulled the plug on their guys. Like, that wasn't even close. So what do you think of Chet? What are you going to get? 60 out of 82 games? That does make it tough to do it there by totals. Lean a little bit more on the Roto side? I don't know where these guys get drafted. I think he ends up being pretty buzzy, come to think of it. Which is why you probably lean back more towards... We talk about Mark Williams the last couple of days. Guys like that that maybe don't carry that kind of buzz. And then with Banchero and Jabari Smith, uh, those guys are almost definitely going to get drafted too early. Although, you know, maybe like with Cade, they went, he went near 100, and he ended up getting pretty close to that. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have Banchero because of Banchero and Houston because there just isn't anybody else there besides Jalen Green. You're not going to sell me on Kevin Porter Jr. There's just a lot of opportunity to go get silly with Houston in a way that, with Orlando, I don't think you can just go, go get silly. Jabari Smith's going to be asked to do winning stuff. They've got Wendell Carter Jr. out there. If Jonathan Isaac plays, they've got him. They've got point guards coming out of their ears in Orlando. Franz Wagner like they have some players that they they're, they're going to be trying in a way that like you just can't do dumb crap all game long and get away with it in a way that in Houston you, you probably can really they're farther away from success so that's probably where I sit on I mean, we have to at least look at it it's not fair of me to just write them all off because these are guys that actually do play more towards the front court and won't be primary ball handlers on their team. And that's the type of stuff that I usually try to wipe out when we're talking about rookies. In any event, uh, other rumors that have been kicking around here, just quickly here towards the end of the show. We've heard rumors that DeJounte Murray is on the block for a massive package. I don't think I'm buying that one. We've heard Terry Rozier is on the block. We'll see. Devontae Graham on the block. I believe that one. (laughs) That one, I believe. I don't know. All right, screw the rumors. We'll deal with stuff when it actually happens. We got plenty of content today talking about the top of the draft. We'll talk about some other names on the draft, uh, particularly ones that William and David gave us as a preface on tomorrow's show headed into the weekend. That'll probably be the weekend show, if I had to guess. Some NBA draft results. And again, please do check out our live coverage today, 4 to 7.30 p.m., on the Sports Ethos YouTube page. I am Dan Vespris at Dan Vespris on Twitter. Sports Ethos presentation here, Fantasy NBA Today. I racked it all up real quick, didn't I? Tomorrow, we'll talk to you guys again. That's how it works. Enjoy the draft.